millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Hi there! Welcome to History in Retrograde. This is the podcast where we use the ancient art of astrology to help us better understand the past. I'm your co-host, Chandler O'Quinn, and joining me live via satellite is my mom! Hi, Mom! Hi, Chandler! How are you? I'm doing well. Are you ready to begin another grand experiment? Yes, I'm ready to do another grand experiment. All right, let's give it a whirl. Okay, great. And I'd like to start by saying welcome to 2022. Let's all hope for the best. I know I am. I'm really looking forward to just wonderful things happening in 2022. We're we're having a great time here, at least. And uh, yeah, it's great to see uh, everyone uh, all over the country, all over the world uh, joining us. And uh, for those of you, if this is your first episode, uh, the way that we uh, do things here, uh, in a moment, I will give my mom the uh, astrological birth data of a random historical figure. Uh, Now, uh, you, the listening audience, already know who this historical figure is. It is in the title of today's episode. I, of course, know who the person is because I selected this historical figure, but Mom has no idea who this person could be. Uh, So I will give her the data needed to create an astrological birth chart. Uh, That is the birth date, time, and location uh, of this uh, random historical figure. She will then input that into the back computer, and out will come the astrological birth chart, where all the stars, planets, and moons were at the moment this person was born. Uh, She will give us a blind reading, uh, telling us what she can about the personality traits, uh, character motivations, and the fortunes of this mystery history guest. Uh, and then I will reveal to her who our guest is, and we will uh, I'll give a little background about the person, and then we'll talk about how accurate the chart was at predicting what this person did. Uh, so without further ado, let us begin. Okay. Uh, this is a female. All right. Uh-huh. Uh, born on the 1st of uh-huh. June. All right. Uh-huh. 1180 J-U-L. Oh, my. All right. Now, I'm wondering if it's going to ask me about that, but let's find mm-hmm. out. Uh, All right. Yeah, I was not able uh-huh. to find a time, so we'll have to go with noon. Okay. Whoop. Okay. And where? Spain. There we go. And town? Segovia. Looks like it's right there. All right. Uh, So uh, to recap, this is a female born on June 1st, 1180. Uh, That is in the Julian calendar. Uh, we're going with noon and uh, Segovia, Spain. 
Okay. So, because we don't know the time of this person's birth, and we did go with noon, which is kind of midway during the day, um, what I'm going to focus on is the um, planets and how they uh, associate with each other. Okay. I mean, by putting the birth time at noon, we have a Virgo ascendant, but we're not sure that that is the birth time. So let's look at some of the other things. All right. So first off, let's look at the North node, which is the direction. Okay. This person has North node at 14 degrees Leo. So this person should be uh, a vibrant, um, self-motivated uh, leader in whatever it is that they are doing. Okay. Uh, so we start there. Then let's go to sun at 17 degrees. Gemini conjunct Mars at 24 degrees. Gemini. Okay. And sun conjunct Mars. All right. Uh, in Gemini on the Midhaven. Okay. So this person should have been very smart, uh, capable of, 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 uh, excellent communication and driven towards communications. Sun conjunct Mars, very, mm, could even be communications about war. Uh, with that Leo North node could be, um, a leader, uh, something to do with communications and, uh, dr driven, very driven communications. Um, this person has Mercury and Taurus at 25 degrees and moon in Leo. So now we have moon conjunct Leo, I mean, moon conjunct North node in Leo by sign, not by degree. Somehow women and mother and emotions are connected to this direction, this North node in Leo direction, uh, Saturn in cancer and Pluto in cancer and Venus in cancer. This person has Venus and Pluto at zero degrees cancer with Saturn at 13 degrees cancer. Lessons and power from nurturing. Uh, um, feeding, nurturing. Um, It would be nice to know that this was, you know, I, I wish we did have an exact birth time, but, uh, definitely power from nurturing, but at the same time, like maybe fighting for fighting for the people to nurture the people. Uh, let's see Uranus is in Aries. Oh my. Uranus and Jupiter is also in Aries. Uranus conjunct Jupiter. Well, not by degree, but by sign. So Uranus is, uh, those two together are like an explosion, an explosion of also that Aries. So that's warlike. Um, also leadership and, uh, bravado, um, Jupiter with that Uranus is luck somehow getting lucky or just sort of riding on luck. Uh, is any of this making any sense? Oh, yeah. Is it? Oh my goodness. Okay. 
Uh, so this person kind of has the ability to uh, just expect things to be lucky. Okay, so this person has Chiron in Aquarius. Interesting. Chiron and Neptune in Aquarius. Yeah. So this person has Chiron at 23 degrees Aquarius and uh, Neptune at three degrees Aquarius. So creative endeavors regarding humanity, but beginning with pain and wounds with regard to groups and humanity and futuristic thought sciences um, and then healing with this creativity for humanity and humanitarian behavior. Uh, somehow uh, this woman is uh, <laughs> almost fearless because she's used to just doing that, you know, Indiana Jones hat roll shot where she just somehow slides through it at the very last minute, something happens and it makes everything work. Um, she's very attached to this, this quest, this endeavor emotionally attached to it. This is where I'm going to go with this chart because there is no guarantee of where the houses are. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But if, if, uh, if I'm making sense, then that's good to know. Do you have any questions? Uh, are you, are you, uh, yeah. Uh, so, uh, do you get a sense of what role a family would play in their life? Well, um, I'm just looking at the planets, okay? And knowing that the North Node is in Leo and the Moon is in Leo, and Leo represents children and family and, uh, uh, you know, relationships... I would think that family would be very important to this person, but I can't tell because I, I mean, there's no, I, I, I say just read the chart. Okay. Well, I can't, I mean, if I read this chart. Yeah. Just okay, read this with, chart with, like it is real. Okay. All right. So this person having Virgo rising, uh, Virgo in the first house, uh, with no house, no, no planets in in that house on this chart. Nothing in the second house. Nothing in the third. Nothing in the fourth. Neptune in the fifth in Aquarius, which is ruled by Leo. Okay, and I would say that this person is a very creative, almost you know, dreamlike uh, regarding um, children. There's nothing in the fourth house, but it's ruled by Sagittarius. The fourth house cusp is Sagittarius. So, you know, uh, very benevolent to their home and uh, family. And then Chiron in the sixth house in Aquarius, which is work and health and... Uh, um, medicine and then seventh house has Jupiter in Aries there. And then the eighth house has Uranus, which is the house of, um, legacy and secrets and hidden things and sexuality and, um, uh, power, a very powerful person, very powerful, lucky person, lucky, in relationships, if we were to look at this chart this way. Ninth house has Sun in Gemini and Mercury in Taurus, which would Mercury in Taurus is going to make this person very stubborn. Okay. Uh, it's going to make them very determined 
in their communication and, and thought process. All right. But then they have in the 10th house, uh, Mars in Gemini conjunct that sun and then, uh, Venus and Pluto at conjunct at zero degrees cancer. And then Saturn in cancer, this person has karma and the lessons are to be learned with nurturing and somehow nurturing is their career if we're looking at it with this earth time and then north node is in the 11th house of groups of people and then moon is in the 12th house which would make this person somewhat psychic uh should make them capable of much empathy and uh emotional understanding it should but that moon is also at 29 degrees which is the degree of sorrow. And it is possible this person lost their mother. Does that make sense? Yes. Oh my goodness. Okay. Um, what would this person uh, rely on to make decisions? Are they an impulsive person? Are they a more calculating person? Well, this person has sun in Gemini and Mercury in Taurus. So you have to think that your how you work cerebrally, all right, in making decisions, you think cerebrally. But with this North Node in Leo, it could be more strategic. Like in order to lead this direction, you have to be strategic. Um, I would think this person does a little bit of both. I would think this person takes into account the strategy because they have Jupiter and Uranus and Aries, which is also kind of leadership and Mercury and Taurus, which makes them a little bit, it's going to pull back on that Gemini, Mars and sun, right? That Mercury and Taurus is going to ground it a little bit. So I would think that there would be more strategy involved and then once the decision is made it's all no holds barred just go uh, what kind of mother would this person be well this person has moon in leo it is at 29 degrees so it could there could be instances of sadness involved with emotions and motherhood but I would think that this would be a very strong, um, good mother. Uh, how would people see her? Well, per this chart, people would see this person as smart, quick, um, unusually smart and quick if this is correct because this is virgo rising so virgos are very quick they they're quick with calculations they're they're very smart they're very uh capable of uh, organizing their thoughts and coming across with um uh a a a very uh good um, uh, positive, uh, almost like, um, uh, convincing way about them. Like, yes, well, do, we need to do what they say because they know what they're doing. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Uh, who would she look for in a romantic partner? She would look for someone that she could have a real, uh, mental connection with. This woman has Mars and Gemini, so she's looking for a man who is quick and smart and uh, uh, capable of getting out, like getting in and out of anything. How does she tackle adversity? Um, I think that she just full on conquers it 
I think that she has Mars and Gemini, but she's got that North Node in Leo and Moon in Leo, and then she's got Uranus and Jupiter and Aries. She's got a lot of fire. So I would think she has like a pouncing ability. Like she can pounce on stuff. She's not going to back down. Not this one. This one's not, she's not going to run. <laughs> That's not going to happen. What role would education play in her life? I think it would be very important. I think that I don't know what kind of education was available to her in 1180, but uh, edu maybe educating herself or figuring out a way to gather knowledge would be very important to her because of her planets in Gemini. And I think that that would be... Um, I, it, it doesn't have to be, you know, uh, regular book learning for this person. This person has a quest for knowledge in all different areas. What role would religion play in their life? Well, in this chart, it shows that the sun and Venus are in the ninth house. So having the sun and Venus in the ninth house, I would think that religion and dogma and philosophies and uh, all of those things would be important to this person. Uh, what is this person's relationship with legacy? Per this chart, uh, they have Uranus in the eighth house in Aries. So I would assume that this person would have a legacy. Is that a, a, an important factor in their life? Is it something that they're building towards? I think it's something that they had no no alternative. It was just going to be. I don't know that it's... I mean, it is possible. They have North Node and Leo. So having North Node and Leo, they probably have a desire for some kind of legacy. Do, but they want to be known for real things that they've done, you know? So that's possible because that all that Leo, that moon in Leo, that north node in Leo, uh, the Uranus in Aries and the, the, um, the Jupiter in Aries could definitely make them feel that it's important for people to know that they were here and what they did. Mm -hmm. uh, is there uh, any other uh, first impressions that you get from this chart? I feel that this woman would have had a difficult time with all of this bravado in her time period. And I would hope that really bad things didn't happen to her, but there is an awful lot of bravado here for a woman in 1180. All right. Well, uh, I think we're ready for our summary of our findings. Uh, so, uh, first thing uh, that you pointed out was vibrant, self-motivated leader, very smart, excellent communicator, driven towards communication, communications about war, women, mother, uh, are connected to the direction, lessons in power from nurturing, uh, fighting to nurture the people. Explosions in leadership, leadership, bravado, lucky, uh, riding on luck, uh, creative endeavors in humanity, pain uh, with groups of people at the start, uh, uh, possibly with humanity and scientific thought, uh, but would eventually heal groups of people. This woman was fearless, uh, slides through at the last moment. Uh, this person is emotionally driven. Uh, family is very important to the person. Uh, very creative, uh, dreamlike communication uh, and connection to children. Benevolent to home and family. Very powerful, very lucky. Lucky in relationships. Stubborn, determined in communication and thought uh, process. Lessons to be learned with nurturing. Nurturing is career. Uh, possible psychic, uh, compassionate, uh, capable of great empathy. Uh, cerebral, strategic, no holds barred. Strong, a good mother. Uh, smart, quick, 
unusually intelligent. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus. Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Intelligent, calculating, and quick. Real mental connection uh, is something that she's looking for in a romantic partner. Also looking for someone who is similarly quick and smart. Uh, She full-on conquers adversity. Uh, She is fiery, uh, has a powerful uh, ability, uh, will not back down. A pouncing ability, that is. A pouncing ability will not back down and not going to run from anything. Education is very important. Gathering knowledge, very important. Quest for knowledge in all things. Religion and dogma would be important to this person. Uh, No alternative but legacy. Uh, And this uh, woman may have had a difficult time with her bravado and intelligence existing in medieval Spain. Uh, Is there uh, anything that I left out? Anything you'd like to add? No, I'm just really curious to know who it is, because I have no idea. Uh, So, uh, you are uh, looking at the astrological birth chart of uh, Berenguela of Castile. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, she uh, uh, was born on June 11th, 1180, in Segovia, Spain. Uh, She was the daughter of Alfonso VIII of Castile, and Eleanor of England. Uh, so that makes her the granddaughter of friend of the show, Eleanor of Aquitaine. Oh, uh-huh. Uh, she was the eldest child to uh, Alfonso VIII and Eleanor, and uh, she was the presumptive heir. Until they had a male child, uh, it was presumed that she would be the one, she'd be the queen of uh, Castile. Uh, so uh, it was very important, uh, this being the granddaughter of Eleanor of Aquitaine, uh, her mother... Uh, Eleanor of England felt that it was very important that her daughter be very well educated and not just in uh, things that uh, royalty, uh, royal women were typically educated in, but educated the same as a male ruler would be educated. Uh, So reading, Ah. writing, war, history, religion, just the same as if she was a male heir. Uh, at the age of eight, uh, she was betrothed uh, to Conrad V, uh, who was the uh, fifth child. Uh, or so, yeah, his, his name was not Conrad V. He was the fifth child of uh, Frederick Barbarossa, who was the Holy Roman Emperor. Uh, Conrad was 20. Uh, there's a 12-year age difference here. And uh, 
very fortunate, very lucky. It could have gone the other way in medieval times, but uh, their marriage was not consummated. Uh, so the eight-year-old and the 20-year-old, uh, they only met once in their life. Uh, he came all the way down the uh, from the Germany area to Spain. They met, they were uh, married, and then uh, he went back off to Germany, uh, or that area, it was not called that then, uh, and uh, Conrad uh, never came back. And so by 1191, uh, uh, Berenguela began the process of trying to seek an annulment uh, so that she could be married to someone who, who was actually there. Uh, and uh, the process was started, but things uh, really uh, uh, picked up speed in 1196 when Conrad was assassinated. Uh, oh. So that's really a, a much quicker way of getting uh, a divorce is uh, just oh get, get the other guy. Is, uh, not, we're, we're pretty sure that she and her family had nothing to do with it. But, uh, uh, you know, uh, it, it, it's a lot faster than the court system. Uh -huh. uh, so uh, she didn't have uh, long to wait uh, before uh, marrying again. Uh, she was married to Alfonso the Ninth of Leon. Uh, so at this time in the Spanish court, Alfonso is a pretty uh, popular name. Uh, so I'll try and keep these guys straight. But Alfonso the Ninth of, of Leon, and uh, just to give you a, a very uh, a quick. Uh, a lesson about uh, what Spain looked like in the 12th century. It's not Spain like we think of it today. It's not everything uh, on the uh, peninsula. Uh, it's split up into lots of different kingdoms, just like France and uh, the Holy Roman Empire. Everything is all these separate little kingdoms that would eventually come to form the nation state that we understand as Spain. And uh, so two of the major uh, kingdoms were uh, Castile, uh, which is where uh, Berenguela was from, and uh, Leon, uh, which is where uh, Alfonso the uh, ninth was from. And uh, Leon and Castile had been fighting with each other for over 50 years over their borders and the kingdoms and everything. And so this marriage between Berenguela and Alfonso was uh, supposed to represent uh, uh, striving towards peace, that we're going to make the uh, families come together, make the kingdoms come together, and uh, everything could be peaceful. And for a long time, that was true. Um, the uh, Alfonso and Berenguela got along very well, uh, and uh, Alfonso re respected her opinion, and uh, so she served. All that education uh, came into play in this early part of the marriage. Uh, she was uh, seen as one of the greatest advisors and counselors to uh, Alfonso. Uh, she uh, encouraged him to lower taxes, uh, to reform the church, to renovate cathedrals. Uh, it is during this time that she is given the name uh, uh, La Prudentissima, uh, which is the wisest. Uh, so Berenguela, not the wise, it's Berenguela the wisest. No one is more ah. wise than her. Uh, during this time, uh, they would have five children together. Uh, the second of their five children was named Ferdinand, and he was born in 1201. Now, nearly immediately following the marriage, uh, the Pope over in Rome uh, was not happy with this marriage. Um, he uh, started uh, getting everything going towards getting the marriage annulled. Uh, there was the issue of consanguinity. Uh, they, uh, Alfonso and B uh, Berenguela were related. Uh, in fact, they were first cousins. Oh my. Uh, so uh, this... Uh, it, Pope Innocent III did not want these two to be together, and uh, the kingdoms did everything they could. They tried to uh, uh, use their diplomatic weight uh, to convince the Pope. They even tried bribing papal officials to try and not get the marriage annulled. But uh, there was uh, no luck with all that, and in 1204, uh, the marriage uh, was annulled. And uh, on all counts, uh, Alfonso and Berenguela were very fond of each other, uh, have as as successful of a marriage as you could have at this time. Uh, but regardless, uh, Berenguela was sent back to Castile uh, to be uh, with her parents. And uh, wars and battles started breaking out between Leon and Castile almost immediately. Uh, Berenguela, as part of her dowry, she was given, uh, or I guess it's not her, part of the marriage, she was given control of some of the uh, 
castles uh, on the border between Leon and Castile, and uh, she wanted to maintain uh, those castles, and so battles uh, uh, were uh, happened, and uh, as a result, between 1205 and 1209, uh, three separate treaties were signed, and at each treaty, Baron Guela got more and more power. Uh, she uh, wanted to retain the power to tax the uh, people and make sure that Alfonso didn't raise taxes again on the people. And so uh, mm-hmm. she was able to uh, achieve that. Uh, one of these treaties is one of the first written documents that we have of uh, uh, that's written in the Castilian dialect. Uh, in uh, 1214, uh, her father, Alfonso VIII of Castile, uh, passed away. Uh, they did have... Uh, a uh, male heir, uh, his name was Enrique, uh, he was 10 years old. Uh, and so it was up to the mother to be the queen regent. So Eleanor was now the uh, in charge of, uh, of the kingdom, acting on Enrique's behalf, because if you let a 10-year-old decide what you want to do with your kingdom, everybody's going to be getting <laughs> chocolate milk, and uh, there's going to be Ninja Turtle parades <laughs> and all kinds of stuff. So you got to have somebody in charge of them. Uh, but the problem was that... Um, Eleanor died just 24 days after uh, the father. So Enrique uh, was left uh, without a custodian. And so a lot of people thought, well, it makes natural sense. Let's have the older sister be in charge. Let's have her be the queen regent. She was 34. Mm -hmm. She was certainly capable of it. But Mm -hmm. during this time, there's all sorts of palace intrigue. And so the... um, House of Lara is a uh, a family in, in Castile uh, that was always trying to get the throne. And uh, one of the uh, brothers in the family, uh, Alvaro uh, Nunez de Lara, uh, he wanted to be the one who was uh, the regent of Castile. He wanted to be the one who had custodianship uh, over uh, Enrique. And so what he did was uh, he bribed uh, the knight who was supposed to be uh, taking care of Enrique over uh, while he was sleeping. And he bribed the knight to look the other way. And then he (gasps) went in and he kidnapped. Little little Enrique was kidnapped. Oh, no. And uh, then he he banished uh, Berenguela uh, from uh, the castle. And he started this uh, big campaign to sully the representative. Uh, reputation of Berenguela. He started saying that Berenguela was out for herself, that uh, he didn't, that she didn't have Enrique's uh, best uh, 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 efforts in mind, that uh, she was trying to poison Enrique so that she could be in charge of everything. And so he was made custodian, he was made regent over uh, Castile. Uh, So, uh, as regent of Castile, uh, he went on a, a just just a corruption spree. Uh, he uh, raised the taxes on everyone. Uh, he would steal funds from the church. Uh, he uh, would uh, uh, oh, no. uh, take things, uh, 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 steal things from the trade that was coming in. Uh, make sure that he got a, co- a cut out of all the trade. Uh, he was stealing uh, castles from Berenguela and all the supporters of Berenguela. And uh, he would wage war on other uh, royals uh, in the name of Enrique. And that's not right because little Enrique didn't want to hurt anybody. <laughs> no. Uh, well, uh, things did not uh, turn out very well uh, for little Enrique. Uh, on May 26, 1217, uh, little Enrique was playing with all of his friends and a tile, one of the terracotta tiles from uh, the courtyard fell on Enrique's head. Uh, oh, no. And, and he, he passed away. Oh, no. Uh, now, uh, Lara did not want anyone to know about this because if little Enrique's dead, then he's not in charge of the kingdom anymore. Uh, so he tried to hide the death from everyone. Uh, but Berenguela had spies inside the uh, castle and was notified immediately uh, when Enrique died. And uh, so she went and she made her plan of action. She sent some of her trusted knights to go over and... Uh, get Enrique's body and bring it back to her. She also sent some of the knights to go back over to Lyon, uh, where her son, uh, Ferdinand, uh, was living and tried and got Ferdinand to come back over uh, to her. And then once Ferdinand was safely in 
uh, uh, Castile, she notified everyone that Enrique was dead and that uh, we now need to figure out who's going to be in charge of uh, Castile. And by this time, all of the nobility were pretty upset with uh, Lara and uh, all the things that he had done. And so they made uh, uh, Berenguela a queen of Castile. Now, she knew that this was not going to last, that at any one moment someone was going to try and take the power away from her. So she immediately abdicated the throne and gave it to her 16-year-old son, Ferdinand, making him King Ferdinand III of Castile. Uh, this was very important because challenges to the throne were immediate. Uh, Alvar Nunez uh, de Lara had gotten in league with uh, Alfonso over in Lyon. Lyon wanted to take Castile for himself. So now Berenguela and her son have to go up against the ex-husband and uh, the uh, guy who uh, was running the kingdom so poorly. And uh, so what she did was uh, she got Ferdinand to go out and secure all of the alliances. Uh, so all the people from Avila and Segovia and uh, Palencia, all uh, get all the nobles, all the armies together to protect Castile as uh, Leon uh, came in uh, to try and attack the kingdom. Uh, they were repelled twice, uh, at two separate times, and then uh, the second year, uh, uh, Alfonso decided that it's okay for his son to be a king in his own right, and uh, so uh, he accepted and legitimized uh, Ferdinand III as king of Castile. Uh, during these fights, uh, in one of the last battles, Ferdinand III uh, went up against uh, Alvar Nunez de Lara and uh, exploited uh, uh, an opening in the ranks, and he was actually able to capture uh, Lara, and then uh, he was uh, tried for treason. Uh, now, this is not the end of Berenguela's story. Uh, Berenguela did the same for her son as she did uh, for her ex-husband. Uh, so she served as one of Ferdinand's uh, closest advisors, uh, making she was the uh, voice of the people uh, to uh, Ferdinand. Uh, and then she also was very uh, skilled at arranging alliances. Uh, mm -hmm. So she arranged uh, Ferdinand's marriage, uh, and this was to the granddaughter of uh, Frederick Barbarossa, the Holy Roman Emperor. Uh, so uh, this is one of the f first major alliances formed between Spain and the Holy Roman Empire that would have a profound impact on history going for hundreds of years. Uh, she also made peace with the uh, House of Lara. She had one of her sons marry one of the Lara's daughters, and that secured those lines. So there were no more uh, conflicts coming in, at least not from uh, the House of Lara. Uh, she, uh, uh, as soon as uh, anyone who was uh, of eligible uh, to be married, uh, she would get one of her uh, sons, one of her daughters, one of her relatives to marry them, making sure that the ex-husband's illegitimate children were not able to marry anyone, and uh, uh, <laughs> leaving Alfonso uh, IX of Leon with no uh, legitimate or illegitimate heirs, pretty much, especially no male ones. Uh, and this was uh, this became a bit of a problem, especially in 1230 when uh, Alfonso the Ninth uh, passed away. He left uh, Leon to his two daughters that he had had from a previous marriage. Uh, uh, Berenguela worked quickly. Uh, she went over to their mother, uh, who was Teresa of Portugal. Uh, so this is two women who have both been married to uh, Alfonso the Ninth of Leon. Uh, both want the best thing for their children, uh, but she convinces the mother and the daughters to give up the rights to the throne in order for tons of bullion and tons of real estate and uh, all these things, and the daughters do that. Uh, and then she swoops in and makes Ferdinand king of Leon, making Ferdinand III king of Leon and Castile. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, this, uh, uh, Leon and Castile would never be separated again. Uh, this dynasty that she created herself, pretty much, uh, would have a profound impact on the rest of Spanish history, on the rest of European history, and on the rest of American history, as it is immediately after the Reconquista that Spain goes into uh, the New World. 
Uh, she continued to be uh, one of the uh, uh, most profound uh, advisors to Ferdinand, especially as Ferdinand uh, took up the challenge of uh, the Reconquista. Uh, so I, I didn't uh, exactly set this up the, uh, the greatest at the beginning, but at this time, uh, half or maybe a little less than half of Spain is uh, uh, occupied by uh, the Muslims, by, by the Moors uh, from uh, mm-hmm. northern Africa. And so uh, it is the, the religion calling of these uh, 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 other kingdoms in Spain to try and get the uh, Moors to uh, leave uh, the rest of Spain. And so uh, Ferdinand III was known as one of the great fighters in the Reconquista. And so he was always in the south of Spain, away from the kingdom, uh, doing battle after battle, siege after siege uh, against the the Moors of uh, southern Spain. Uh, While he was fighting, his mother was running the kingdom, doing the business, taking care of the people, uh, taking care of the finances. Uh, And she would write these very long, long letters uh, to uh, her son while he was uh, besieging the towns, uh, uh, telling him everything that's going on in the kingdom, giving him advice, uh, (laughs) worrying about him, uh, doing all these things. At one point, she even sold her own jewels uh, to make sure that there were enough funds to supply the armies who were laying siege uh, to the uh, Moorish uh, towns in Spain. Uh, by uh, 1245, uh, Baranguela was entering her 60s and she was developing uh, health problems and she knew that she didn't have a whole lot of time left. Uh, so she pleaded and pleaded with a meeting with her son uh, to pry him away from uh, the military campaigns that he was on and he finally agreed and he told him, we need to figure out a plan of who's going to be in charge of the kingdom. I'm, I want to retire. We need to do this now. Um, I need to rest. And uh, Ferdinand thought, we have. there's no rush. Uh, there, you're fine. Uh, you just keep doing things. As soon as this battle is over, then we'll figure things out. Uh, and so she went back uh, and she tried to run things for a little while. But then the next year in 1246, uh, Baron passed away. Hmm. Um. This woman, uh, tr- truly following in the footsteps of her grandmother, one of the uh, most uh, uh, powerful, one of the most influential uh, women of uh, medieval Spain, and uh, the the impact, the uh, legacy that she left behind had ramifications for hundreds of years after her death. Uh, truly a uh, remarkable woman, someone that uh, all uh, Spanish people should be proud of. And uh, uh, I think that this chart uh, uh, pretty much bears a lot of that stuff out. Well, that's very good. I'm very um, impressed with all of your research. And this sounds like a wonderful, wonderful, amazing woman. Uh, Are there uh, any things that uh, make more sense now that you know uh, what this person did? Honestly, I think everything that I described is something that you corroborated. I mean, she definitely could swoop in at the last minute and get things done. And it was really luck on her side that would get those things done because these uh, 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 things that she was trying to do were could have gone either way, but they seemed to go her way. And uh, it's very interesting, very interesting. Uh, well, uh, on our scale of uh, right on the money to way out in outer space, uh, even though this time is a, a little, uh, uh, we're not exactly sure, I, I still think this one is right on the money. This uh, really shows uh, who Baranguela was. Yes, yes. Thank you, Chandler. Uh, well, uh, that concludes this episode of History in Retrograde. We'd like to thank you so much for listening. And uh, I'd like to uh, remind you, if you are on uh, Apple Podcasts or you are on Spotify now, uh, you can uh, rate uh, the podcast. You know, this is a show that's all about stars, uh, so we would really appreciate it if uh, you could give us five stars on there. And uh, if you'd like to reach out, we're available on socials. Uh, we're at uh, Facebook, uh at uh, history and retrograde uh, gmail uh, history and retrograde at gmail.com and instagram at retrograde podcast and uh, if you like what you hear and you'd like to uh, support us uh, whatever uh, you uh, would feel comfortable 
uh, uh, giving. Uh, we'd really appreciate it. It would help us get uh, better equipment, help us to grow the show. And uh, in conclusion, as long as your houses are in order and the stars are aligned, everything will be just fine. Yes, and thank you all so much for listening. We really appreciate you taking time out of your day to share it with us. And we look forward to bringing you many, many more wonderful podcasts in 2022. And thank you all so much. Bye-bye. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.